Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show podcast. Hey, this is Matt Breckwald, your host, and it is great to be with you again. Well, we are looking at some serious conditions this summer out in uh, out in the West, and especially here in Idaho. And as we move into August and uh, we get towards the end of summer, well, these conditions for wildfire are just through the roof. So today, I am lucky enough to have Mr. Jared Jablonski on the show. He is the Fire Information Officer for the Boise District BLM, and uh, he's going to be talking to us about those conditions, about prevention, and about some of the biggest causes of of human-caused wildfires in our area. So, Jared, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for coming on. You bet. My pleasure. And thank you for what you do, by the way. You know, uh, you guys are, you and everybody who works in fire, in the BLM, uh, Forest Service, everywhere, my goodness, the the hours you all put in, the conditions you work in uh, to do this for us is, is really something. Yeah, no, uh, it's a lot of hard work, but uh, everyone that does it, I think, has the same type of mentality, you know, love working with uh, people, that teamship bond you get, and then also love protecting the outdoors and the wilderness out there so that, you know, people continue, can continue to, you know, enjoy recreating and camping and fishing and hunting and all that great stuff. So absolutely. Well, I, tell us a little bit about you. How did you, what's your background that got you involved in doing what you do? Uh, so actually my father uh, worked here at the Boise district uh, as well when I was a kid. And uh, he ran the bulldozer here. So I was around a lot of the fire folks and the fire um, scenarios or whatever a lot when I was younger. And uh, so I'm going to school, uh, going to college. I decided to go ahead and uh, try it myself and ended up after I graduated, after I graduated that I liked it so much, I just continued uh, to do it. So, yeah, I started off on the engines here. We have uh, type four engines at the time. We had type four engines, too. Uh, per crew. And, uh, so I got my feet wet for about eight years doing engines, eight to 10 years. And then I moved over to our hazardous fuels reduction program. So a lot of prescribed fire and a lot of, uh, you know, hazardous fuels, uh, management, you know, like cutting juniper trees or Mm -hmm. managing roadsides, things like that. And then, uh, here about five years ago, I moved into the fire information role and the mitigation education role. So, really out there uh, getting the message out to the public about fire prevention and educating classes about um, fire behavior and things like that, as well as also anytime we have an ongoing incidents, I do, uh, you know, my job is to make sure the public is aware of what is going on with any kind of fire scenarios we have here locally on BLM lands. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, just from my own personal curiosity, I want to ask you about this year's conditions. So, I have a farm out in CUNA, so I'm really attuned to the weather, particularly spring weather, because the amount of rain we get in the spring dictates when I begin irrigating and how much feed I've got for our cattle and, and our goats and, and things like that. And this year, I think, has got to be the driest spring I've seen uh, since we bought our farm here in 2011. And then with that hot spell that started, we're still experiencing that started in late June, that feels like one of the earliest and obviously hottest and longest lasting uh, dry, uh, you know, heat spells or whatever you want to call it that I've experienced since I've been in the Treasure Valley uh, coming here in the year 2000. So am I right about that? Do we have kind of like two really bad, bad components of conditions coming together this year? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're, it's, we have our vegetation is very dry. Uh, we're primed for, you know, fires that grow quickly and, you know, become substantial in a hurry. The uh, conditions out there, the heat and the summer you know, the long hundred degree temperatures have definitely sped up the drying process. So our, I know our forests are very dry, but down here in Southwest Idaho and our rangelands, 
you know, we're dry, we're, it's ready to burn. Uh, because of the, the moisture levels, we didn't get a huge grass crop this year. Uh, it was a late kind of shot of water that we got that gave us a little bit of a grass crop, but we did have such a low snowpack in a lot of Southwest Idaho that there's a lot of dead standing grass and brush type uh, vegetation out there still that's, mm. you know, primed to burn along with the, the little grass, grass crop that we did get. So yeah, definitely the conditions out uh, in Southwest Idaho right now are something where you need to really be cautious with any kind of activities that could cause a, a spark because it's definitely primed to burn. That's interesting. So here I am talking about the lack of rainfall in the spring, but does a wet spring make your job harder? You know, it's just really depend. I mean, we're so reliant on ignitions uh, mm-hmm. as far as our wildfire season um, that the conditions can vary. It really just a lot of it has to do with the uh, maybe the intensity that the fire burns, the flame links, the basically the fire behavior itself mm-hmm. uh, as far as the amount of vegetation and things like that. So when we have a scenario like this year, we might get a little bit shorter flame links and it might not grow quite as quickly as if it was a uh, more of a, a larger crop of grass and mm-hmm. uh, from more spring rains. But at the same time, you know, uh, it depends on uh, where it's at, when it starts, you know, the weather conditions, all those different things come into play. So it's really difficult to kind of to tell. But uh, either way, without the ignitions, the, you know, the fires aren't there. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to talk about prevention. But before we go there, I want to ask you this. What percentage of wildfires are human caused? Is that just a well-known statistic? Uh, can that just roll off your tongue? Yeah, you know, our, for Southwest Idaho, our 10-year average hovers, you know, right around that 75-80% mark. Sometimes, you know, one year might be 85%. Mm-hmm. But that is also heavily reliant on the amount of lightning that we do get. Um, so, like this year, we actually have had zero lightning fire caused fires on oh, in wow. Southwest Idaho on the Boise District Bureau of Land Management. So, technically, we're in the you know, high forties for the human caused fires that we have. And it's a hundred percent human, obviously, but we don't have any lightning, but we generally, we average somewhere between 20 to 35 lightning fires a summer okay. uh, in Southwest Idaho. So if we have a heavy year with a lot of lightning, it'll bring that percentage down of human cause. It could, it definitely could. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a tricky number, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's not good news. Way to measure. Yeah. It's not good news. Cause that just means there's more fires. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So I like to look, I like to look at my own numbers generally as uh, comparing year to year. Okay. So, um, you know, we're, we're right on pace with last year as far as the amount of human caused fires that we have had so far this summer, Okay. but the acreages, the, the size of the fires this year is, you know, significantly lower. And last year wasn't a huge fire season for um, the Southwest Idaho Boise BLM in general. So this year we're, you know, we've only burned probably around 600 acres and half of that, those acres were on um, the Bonnie fire just uh, uh, east of Micron. So one fire is basically half of our acreage out of the 40 is 48-ish number of fires that we've gotten. So that, I mean, to this point, that sounds like good news. Yeah, no, we've, um, we've been super happy about the, the responsibility the public's taken this year as far as our, you know, our human cost fires are. Uh, or we don't have any cause in particular this year that's really shot up the charts. Generally, we have mm-hmm. vehicle fires as our number one. And lot recently, within the last five to eight years, um, shooting-related fires have been our number two. Um, but so far this year, uh, I believe vehicle fires is still uh, up there, but not in the same number as we would see in the heavy season. And just one more question on that. You know, with this this population growth that we're experiencing, 
you know, if it's just a matter of percentages, um, you know, and it's, let's say it's 75% human cost or something like that. Clearly, the more people we get living here, the more fires, if we stay at 75%, that's going to, that's going to result in a higher number of fires. Uh, do you see, uh, as the population grows, do you see the, the, mm-hmm. the number of fires grow with it and stay in correlation to those percentages? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, I started here in 96. So it, Boise, the Treasure Valley area specifically has grown drastically. And, you know, we've seen, you know, a spike in, in human caused fires as the population grows, but uh, it is, um, it tends to kind of balance out somewhat because as the growth um, as we see the growth, we're also losing um, some of the areas that used to be areas used for recreation or not, not government a- areas, um, but area private lands, things like that. So we're, we're, we're getting a little bit more infrastructure, more, um, you know, subdivisions, things like that, uh, that are pushing out some of that stuff. But at the same time, it's also pushing all of the homes and everything closer to the, our federal lands, like literally adjacent to federal lands. Now we have a lot, we have a lot of homes adjacent to federal lands because of the way that the valley's grown. All right. So you you brought up the two major causes or the two major uh, ways that humans are causing wildfires, vehicles and shooting. Uh, can you elaborate on those and kind of tell us how that gets done and how people can go about not having that happen? Yeah. Um, so so number one, uh, our five-year average and our 10-year average vehicle fires. So on our district, the Boise BLM, we average right around 99 to 100 fires uh, over the last 10 years. And uh, vehicle fires are usually around the 20 uh, number. So we usually have around 20 vehicle fires a year, which is our number one uh, average cause. And um, so there's lots of things folks can do to um, not start fires when they're out driving and recreating, you know, driving to recreation places and things like that. Mm -hmm. Number one, you've got to check your tires, make sure your tires have the proper tread. You know, you don't want to have big nicks and gashes in your tires because if you get a tire a blown out tire, the rims, the rim will hit the road that can cause sparks. Mm. And especially if the, if it's, you're on a roadway where there's not a, a lot of ap- uh, apron on the side of the road, where if the vegetation, the closer the vegetation is to the road, the easier it is for a vehicle to start a fire there. Um, so when you're looking at your tires also, it's very important to make sure that your tire pressure is at the correct pressure for whatever particular tire you're using. Okay. Uh, so that's one we see a lot. Um, another one that we see quite often is um, trailers. So when you're, when you hook up your trailer, it's super important to secure those trailer chains. Um, you want to make sure they're not dragging on the ground because you're going to have sparks flying all over the place if that chain's dragging. And really you should have it even up higher than maybe you might think just in case you might go over a bump or something like that. And if you're just a little bit above the ground, you can still, you know, have that chain strike. So you want to make sure those are properly secured on your trailers. Another uh, really important thing is that if your your general vehicle maintenance is super important because if you're overheating, if you're having if you don't have enough uh, coolant in your in your vehicle, if you don't have enough oil in your vehicle, and you pull over the side to overheat, um, it's real easy to ignite vegetation on the side of the road, especially if there's not an area for you to pull over um, free of vegetation. So if you do have vehicle trouble, try if you can to find an area that doesn't have vegetation underneath your vehicle because you know, the engine compartment gets hot, your muffler gets hot, the whole, you know, there's a lot of areas underneath that vehicle that um, if you have high vegetation and you fall into the grass, it can really start that along those same lines. Really important if you're out off-roading, driving around or whatever, you know, you want to stay in the summertime, especially you want to stay on established trails and roads. Um, If you're out on a UTV or in your truck, stay on the roads because 
like I was just saying, the undercarriages of those vehicles can get really warm and you could easily ignite a wildfire mm. just driving around through the grass. Um, so that's really important as well. Okay. Um, so those are the, really the big ones for, for vehicles. You know, you've got your tires, you've got your general maintenance, try to pull off areas free of vegetation and don't drive off road when you're out and about. Okay. How about shooting? So, uh, yeah, shooting is perfectly legal on, um, BLM lands on public lands. Um, but there is a restriction that we put in place here in Southwest Idaho uh, from May 10th through October 20th. Uh, it's our fire prevention order. Uh, the number one thing on it is no fireworks. So uh, that's one that we you know, generally deal with more around the 4th, but it's the first one is you cannot be use, using fireworks on BLM lands and technically it's illegal to even possess fireworks on BLM lands. Hmm. So save the fireworks for you know, in town in gravel parking lots or pavement parking lots. Uh, but the big, uh, the shooting portion of it, uh, there's a few things. Uh, it's from those dates, it's illegal to uh, shoot tracer ammunition. It's illegal to shoot steel core ammunition and it's illegal to shoot um, incendiary ammunition. And it's also illegal to shoot exploding targets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, you know, the, we have the order in places because all those things have been proven to cause wildfires. So, uh, that that's the the main things that you're prohibited from doing. And you're also prohibited from shooting metal signs. So you're going to want to have the appropriate shooting target and you're in, and you shouldn't be shooting in areas where there's any kind of vegetation. So if you do go out shooting, I mean, if, if it's hot and windy in the summertime, really hot, like it's been, I would suggest going and shooting at a shooting range. But if you absolutely have to go out to public lands to, you know, sight your rifle or, or do some shooting, uh, you're going to want to find an area that's completely free of vegetation and you're going to want to bring a shovel and maybe a fire extinguisher and some water. So if something does kick up uh, or if you hit a rock or something like that, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can put out any kind of fires for, uh, before it gets too large. So okay. um, that's really our, you know, that prevention order is, uh, is in place for a reason, like I said, and that's because, you know, those things do cause wildfires. And we've seen sure. a real uptick in, in that in the last eight years or so. That's interesting. What What is the difference between incendiary ammunition and tracer rounds? Uh, so incendiary would be something like, uh, there's ammunition like uh, you could put in your shotgun, like dragon's breath, like literally like oh, flame th- shotgun flamethrower. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Any kind of, <laughs> any kind of fire that's coming out besides a normal bullet. And of course we don't, this steel core has been shown to be more, you know, create more spark mm-hmm. if, you're, if it's ricocheting. So um, that's why that's on, on there as well. Okay. So steel core, I, that's funny. I was not aware of the uh, flamethrower option for a shotgun. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's different ammunition out there that's more of an incendiary and less of an actual tracer. So. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I got to admit, when it gets closer to, to hunting season, I've gone out and sighted in a rifle, and it's still dry, but it's later in the year. Uh, but you always wonder if that if that bullet glances off of a rock or something like that what would it take just to throw a little bit of a spark and uh, yeah. for that to light something? Yeah. It's just all it needs when it's dry like that is just one little tiny spark and that cheat grass is will ignite immediately. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people don't think of is how quickly that it can actually get up and get out and run on you. And, you, and then you can't put it out. You think, Oh yeah, well, if I start a fire, I'll just go stomp it out and no problem. Well, mm-hmm. if there's any kind of breeze or if it's on any kind of slope, it's going to move in a, in a hurry and you're probably not going to be able to to get it put out before it takes off on you so just it, your best efforts it's just going to be too fast 
It can definitely, yeah. I mean, just a little wind that cheatgrass that basically burns through when cheatgrass is dry, and and especially if you've got br- the brush interlaced amongst the cheatgrass, mm-hmm. it's going to burn almost as fast as the wind is blowing. So, you know, it can it can definitely get up and and once you get if you get any slope involved whatsoever, you know, heat rises, it preheats the vegetation above it even more, and fire can move in a hurry uphill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The steeper the slope, the faster that fire is going to move for sure. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. And I, I know that you represent the the BLM, the Boise District BLM. I want to ask you about camping for a moment. I know the BLM has some campgrounds. Obviously, the National Forest Service has a lot. And I know you don't speak for the National Forest Service, but I would assume that the regulations and the safety measures and prevention measures are similar. Can you talk about folks who want to go camping and as far as the use of Campfire rings, uh, cooking apparatus, charcoal, lanterns, things like that. Yeah. So right now, most of uh, Idaho uh, is in stage one fire restrictions. Um, I believe Quarter Lane is in stage two. And we, we measure the criteria. We have a criteria that we look at, like fuel moisture, things like that every every week. And we kind of determine how we have a, a set of a criteria as to where when, when we're going to go in when we're going to go into stage two or stage three and so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. these, these different areas can definitely be changing their fire restrictions all all summer long. So it's really important to go to idahofireinfo.com and you can, you can look at your area you're going to go and you can see what the restrictions are for that area. And then they give you a detail of what uh, those, the restrictions are, but for the most of the majority of the areas in Idaho right now are in stage one fire restrictions. And so that basically means that you can't, go just if you're doing dispersed camping you cannot have a fire um you can't take some rocks and make your own ring and have a little fire you can only have fires in established campgrounds with already uh, established pre-built fire rings in them okay um that's the main component of stage one there's also as far as your charcoal and your grilling you also can only do that in established campgrounds and then also the last component is as far as smoking on public lands you need to be uh smoking uh is really only allowed in your vehicle hmm. um or I, I think there's an exemption for smoking in an area of certain amount of distance free of vegetation but um yeah it, that's what the restriction is on that so and those were put in place they're they're applicable because we can't, escape campfires aren't bureau of land management boise district's number one fire cause they're in the top 10 this year mm-hmm. um but forest the forest service and idaho department of lands all the timberlands it's, it's pretty much their number one cause every year. Um, and so that's why it's so important that when you, when you're not in stage one restrictions, or even if you're using the fire pits in the established campgrounds to make sure that you, uh, monitor that fire the entire time that's lit. Uh, so it's always important to pay attention to your fire. And then when you're ready to leave and you're done, you don't want the fire anymore. It's very important to, you know, take a bucket of water, pour it on the fire, stir it, fill the bucket up again, pour it on the fire, stir it. You really want to make sure you douse that fire and stir it really well, because if you just pour water on the top and walk away, those ashes and those hot embers underneath can, can, can continue burning for you know longer than you would think. Hmm. And you might leave and you know eight hours later, a wind kicks up and blows the, the ash off the top of that fire and kicks up the embers and it, you know blows out of your fire pit and all of a sudden you've started a, you know, a wildfire. So super, super important to make sure that thing is dead out when you leave your campsite. But in stage one restrictions, that would only be applicable in your established campgrounds with established fire rings. Okay. 
And then when you've got other things like cook stoves, lanterns, and things like that that could start fires, are there any restrictions or any advice on safety measures there? Uh, no, just to check the restriction order uh, of the area you're going. Um, and you can also call, uh, there's, there's hotline on the, on IdahoFireInfo.com that you can, you can call if you, or you can look on the maps on there, mm-hmm. but definitely check because the, the differences between stage one and stage two change a lot of things. Uh, I know we're in stage one here. So really here, it's just, there's, is some exemptions for particular, very specific, uh, like stove devices, but for the most part, it's, you cannot use those type of stoves, uh, like charcoal and things like that, unless you're in an established campsite. I believe there's an exemption in there for like a, a container stoves with uh, propane containers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where they're still applicable. But yeah, definitely check out the website just to make sure okay. on what the exact restrictions are. And then on a historical basis, because we're airing this right at the beginning of August, uh, you know, where it's going to be even drier, even hotter than it, than we've seen in late June and all through July. On a historical basis, when do you see, the? I guess, the largest amount of fires getting started? Uh, is that in August? Is that in July? When do you see that peak? Well, it really, you know, it starts, it starts really taking, you know, we start to see a lot more right around the 4th of July. Okay. Um, I mean, and it varies year to year. And we, we are tending to see our fire season start a little earlier and run a little later okay. the past 10 years. But Generally, the fourth, like first of July, we're like, all right, it's we're fire season for Southwest Idaho is definitely, it's usually really starting to, to pick up. And then right about now, so towards the end of July, beginning of August, you're starting to see that, that peak. Okay. And maybe like the first, after about two weeks in August is where we really can see some big wildfires as well. And then once you get to September, it tends to start to be less frequent. Um, you can still get some big fires but you start to see maybe a little bit less of the ignitions. Okay. And then sometimes it runs into October. Sometimes we get a weather ending event, you know, at the end of September, beginning of October. And then, and every now and again, can even carry in in November. And, you know, um, sometimes we still do get fires in December, hmm. um, just depending, you know? Yeah. So, well, Jared, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, where should people go again for that information? What is that website? IdahoFireInfo.com. Okay. And is there anywhere else you would direct them or is that going to get them everywhere they need to go? Uh, that's the main one for checking out fire restrictions and fire information for our for Idaho. Um, but there's definitely, you know, if you want more specific prevention stuff, you can go to the Forest Service. Um, the, their Smoky um, Bear Prevention uh, website's great for prevention tips and things like that. There are some on Idaho Fire Info. Um, but there's definitely other resources. If you're looking at big fires, Real Big Fires NC Web uh, is a great one to go to. Um, that's the one where if you have a, a team uh, on a fire and the fire is, you know, one of those two, three weeks up to months, then they're going to be tracking that on NC Web and give you really good information there. Okay. Um, so far, we've been real lucky in southwestern Idaho as far as not having any real huge fires. We do have, you know, some fires up north in northern Idaho, and but mostly the smoke and everything that we've had recently has been you know, coming from other states who are who are having mm-hmm. some very significant fires. So okay. let's hope that the public continues to be vigilant and not starting fires. And we'll see what happens with our, our lightning. But uh, let's hopefully have a nice, calm, no big fires uh, this yeah. year would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it is up to us. 75, 80% of these fires are started by us. Yes. Yeah. So it is up to us. All right, Jared, thank you so much for what you do. And thank you for coming on today. Yeah, you bet. My pleasure. 
Well, there you have it, everybody. Let's be careful out there the rest of this summer. My goodness, it is hot and it is dry. And uh, here's to you and your Western lifestyle, however you define it. We will see you next month.